0: Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only and with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. This month, the Reserve Bank raised interest rates again by 0.25%, taking the official cash rate to 2.85%. This is the seventh interest rate hike in a row and, of course, brings the total increase in interest rates since April to 2.75%, or in the vernacular that is commonly referred to these days, 275 basis points. Now, of course, that rise in interest rates in April has caught up with the tightening cycle we saw back in 1994. It's not the fastest tightening tightening cycle from the RBA, but we've now caught up to what is the fastest in the last 30 years. That tightening cycle occurred over five months, totaled 2.75 percent increase in the cash rate. This time around it's occurred over seven months now of course the speed of the rate hikes we've seen this time around at least compared to the last three cycles in other words those cycles that followed the 1994 interest rate tightening cycle reflects the fact that the blowout in inflation this time around has been a lot greater and that of course is why the reserve bankers had to move more quickly and of course interest rates were a lot lower down there at around zero. So I guess the question is, where to from here? Now, just having a quick look at what the Reserve Bank's saying, it noted that in raising interest rates, inflation remains too high. It was almost certain that the Reserve Bank was going to raise rates at this meeting. The debate was about by how much. It has also raised its inflation forecast for this year, now seeing inflation through this year up at 8%, up from 7.75%, and also revised its inflation forecast up slightly for next year. It also noted the economy is still growing solidly, the labour market remains tight, wages growth is continuing to pick up, and its priority remains the return of inflation to the 2-3% to the target, and it remains resolute in its determination to do this and will do what is necessary to achieve it. So there are all the reasons for a rate hike. Against that though, the Reserve Bank also noted that it has already increased interest rates quite materially, monetary policy operates with a lag, it doesn't impact things instantaneously. It has revised down its economic growth forecast for this year and next to just 1.5% in each year. And it also wants to keep the economy on an even keel. In particular, it's noted that um, the initial rate hikes were to get monetary policy back to a, a more normal level. Now that they've done that, they can afford to go more slowly. All of which I think explains why the Reserve Bank opted to stick to a 0.25% hike rather than revert to the 0.5% increases it was undertaking uh, a few months ago. Now, this makes sense in our view. Despite the upside surprise in September quarter inflation, now is the time for the RBO to stay in the slower lane, to give it time to assess the impact of past rate hikes, particularly as downside risks to the global and Australian economic outlooks are now ra- rising rapidly. Now, of course, the Reserve Bank's bias remains towards further interest rate hikes. In fact, it reiterated that it expects to raise interest rates further over the period ahead. Now, of course, banks are likely to pass this on in full. In fact, by the time you're listening to this, they may have already done so. That's gonna take the mortgage rate, or average mortgage rates, back to levels last seen early 2010s probably back to where they were in early 2012. This may not have had spending that much yet, but it will in the months ahead and through the next year. So far, of course, the jobs market remains tight and consumer spending has been strong. But we know from the experience of the late 1980s that when the Reserve Bank was raising interest rates quite aggressively then, it took a while for the impact to show up. It didn't really occur until interest rates went to exorbitant levels And then, of course, uh, we had the recession we had to have in the early 1990s. And I'm quite sure that experience is influencing the Reserve Bank right now in thinking that it needs to tread more carefully. Now, of course, money market expectations, these are the interest rates that are factored into financial markets after a peak in the cash rate of around 4.2% in 12 months' time. Now, I reckon that's still too hawkish. If we did see a 4.2% cash rate, that's uh, more than 100 basis points of rate hikes away from where we are now in fact, a long way from where we are now, it would likely knock the economy unnecessarily into recession, as total mortgage payments would be pushed to record levels as a share of household income, and it would likely push property prices down 30% from their highs of earlier this year. While global central banks are continuing to move rates up in faster increments than the Reserve Bank, it's worth noting that the Reserve Bank meets 11 times a year compared to 8 or less for many other central banks, which means it gets more goes at it. And compared to the U.S., in the U.S., you've got 95% of mortgages are 30-year fixed-rate loans. In other words, those who got in a year ago, they are all locked in, sitting pretty. Whereas in Australia, a very different situation. We've got 60% of mortgages are variable rates, so you get an impact within a couple of months, a few months. And 40% are on fixed-rate loans that are actually quite short-dated. They're not the 30-year-style loans in the U.S., fixed-rate loans in the U.S., they usually go out two or three years. In fact, two thirds of those on fixed rate loans will see their term or fixed rates expire by the end of next year, rolling over to much higher rates. Finally, many say, well, the RBA has to keep up with the Fed. Otherwise, the Aussie dollar is going to crash. It's already been falling. That's going to add to inflation. Well, just bear in mind that the Aussie dollar has actually held up quite well against other currencies. And on an average basis, what we call the trade weighted index, it's actually reasonably, reasonably robust even though it's fallen against the US dollar. And history shows that it's the trade weighted index which is more important for local inflation than movements against the US dollar. So there is no logical reason for the Reserve Bank to follow the Fed and other central bank banks with supersized interest rate hikes. I'd have to say, while we have revised up our cash rate forecast to a peak of around 3.1%, where we were previously expecting the peak to be 2.85%, which is where we are right now, we remain of the view that the Reserve Bank won't have to go much higher before demand cools enough to take pressure off inflation and keep inflation expectations down. Firstly, I've pointed this out on several occasions in previous podcasts, global supply bottlenecks are continuing to show signs of improvement. That's going to take pressure off supply. Secondly, While electricity prices still have more upside and are going to cause more pain through next year, oil and hence petrol prices may have peaked, which means their contribution to ongoing inflation may go to zero at least, or possibly negative through next year. Thirdly, many households will experience a significant amount of pain from the combination of falling real wages and higher mortgage rates. I see some people have done calculations of this, reckoning that for an average household with a mortgage it's going to cost something like $14,000 or more out of their pay packet, or at least their spending power. In terms of the impact on mortgage rates, just think about it. The latest interest rate hike, 0.25%, for a borrower with an average 500000 mortgage, and that's the average size mortgage in Australia, of course in Sydney and other big cities, it's uh, it's a lot higher than that, particularly for new borrowers, um, that rise in interest rates of 0.25% will add about $75 to their monthly uh, interest rate payment. Now, of course, if you add it up, all of the interest rate hikes since April will add about $810 a month. So a household or a, a household with a mortgage and a $500,000 mortgage at that would be paying now an an extra $810 a month once that's fully passed through. Now that amounts to almost an extra $10,000 a year, which is a massive house hit to household spending power. And of course, there's roughly a quarter of mortgaged households with fixed rates who will see a doubling or more in their payments when their fixed term expires as we go through next year. This will result, I think, almost certainly in a sharp slowdown in consumer spending, which, of course, will make it a lot harder for, for companies to pass on price increases. Finally, or fourthly rather, there is increasing evidence that rate hikes are starting to buy. Housing indicators are all very weak. Falling home prices will depress consumer spending via a negative wealth effect. Consumer confidence remains very depressed. Bank card spending data, this is where banks look at their credit and debit card spending records, indicates a slowing in discretionary spending, even though non-discretionary spending, as you would expect, is still holding up. In fact, retail sales, everyone keeps saying how strong they are. Well, if you adjust for the impact of higher prices, retail sales in real terms have been virtually flat over the last couple of months. And finally, there are some signs of a slowing in jobs growth. While inflation remains high, it is still one of the last indicators to turn down in an economic downturn. So relying on the most recent inflation data to get a guide as to what future inflation will be is like driving using only the rear vision mirror. Finally, the risk of global recession has gone up significantly and this will weigh on important inflation to Australia and further dampen the Australian economic growth outlook, all of which will bear down on inflation through next year. In summary, we see the Reserve Bank remaining in the slow lane in terms of rate hikes we do expect another rate hike next month in december of 0.25 taking the cash rate to 3.1 which we think uh, nervously rather which we think will be the peak in the cash rate for this cycle and then by the end of next year or at least by early 2024 we think interest rates will start to come down the reason i say nervously is because there is still a risk that rates hikes rates could go a little bit higher than that but as i noted I think there's good reason why that would be a silly thing to do and would probably create more problems than it's worth. And so therefore, we think that the cash rate will probably peak in the low threes ahead of a lengthy period of stabilisation and eventual rate cuts, at least by early 2024. So that's our view on interest rates. A little bit more hawkish than it was, but we still think we're actually getting close to the top. Now, just finally, a quick note on house prices. We got some more data from CoreLogic. For the month of October, and it showed another decline in national average home prices, this time of 1.2%. Of course, national average home prices are now seeing their fastest rate of decline since. Or, in fact, on record, if you go back right through the, the uh, core logic data set that goes back to 1980, uh, with monthly data, it's been the fastest pace of home price declines over six months on record. Home prices over that period have come down by 6% from their high point in April. So a 6% decline in home prices over six months, their fastest pace of decline since records go back to 1980. So a bunch of factors re- reflecting that. Obviously, the rapid pace of interest rate hikes combined with very high household debt levels, and also the fact that, uh, interest, that house prices had previously boomed. So obviously, quite a sharp decline in house prices. Some people might say, well, the pace of decline in Sydney, Melbourne, Hobart and Canberra has slowed down a notch. A couple of months ago, Sydney prices were falling at something like 2.3% a month. Recently, they've slowed down to a decline of, in fact, through October, they were down 1.3%. Some people say, well, maybe that's a sign that we're getting close to the bottom. I tend to think that's probably not the case. If you look back through the previous downturn cycles, for example, in... uh, Yes, let's take uh, 2017, 2019. We regularly saw periods where prices would come down and then you'd see a moderation in the rate of decline, but then the price declines would continue. Similar story through the 2010, 2011 period, where you saw a bit of a waxing and waning of the rate of decline. It's only once interest rates started to come down that prices started to finally bottom out and pick up. Now, how do we see the outlook? We see property prices continuing to decline going forward. In fact, we continue to expect a top to bottom fall of 15 to 20 percent, of which, on average around Australia, we have seen a 6 percent fall so far. So we're about a third of the way through the price declines that we ultimately anticipate to occur. Now, of course, Sydney has seen a steeper decline. It's already down about 10%. So it's further through that down cycle. Other cities probably won't come down nearly as much as Sydney will. Um, For example, Perth and Darwin, I think, are reasonably well placed because they didn't really have a prior boom and prices are only just getting above where they were back in 2014 or alternatively, in the case of Darwin, I think they're still below. So, but if the other cities take Brisbane, Brisbane has been rapidly catching up to Sydney. In fact, Brisbane prices over the last, last month are down 2%. Um, it took a while to turn down in, in Brisbane, but it's now finally happening, and I expect you're going to see something similar happening in Adelaide, or not maybe not quite as severe. But there's a bunch of reasons why we think that prices will continue to fall, the main ones being that interest rates are still rising, the flow-through of those interest rate effects is yet to fully show up, and economic conditions will deteriorate through next year. And of course, one of the big things through next year is that two-thirds of households with a mortgage, or two-thirds of the 40% of households with a mortgage on fixed rates, We'll see their mortgage rate reset from around two percent currently to around five or six percent by the end of next year if if bond yields and fixed rates remain roughly where they are at present that is going to cause quite a lot of mortgage stress obviously along with the rise in variable rates that we've already seen these things suggest to me that property prices will probably fall top to bottom by 15 to 20 percent bottoming probably in the september quarter next year of which as i noted we're already about one-third of the way through a recovery in prices probably won't start to occur until interest rates start falling. And that's probably unlikely until very late next year, or early 2024. So I might leave it there. hope that's been of some value. All the best and adios until we meet again. Take care. To keep up to date with Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series, be sure to subscribe to your favorite streaming platform. That way you'll never miss an episode. All topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. It's important you consider taking tailored financial advice that is relevant to your own situation before making any important financial decisions.